Hey, what's up, everybody? Real good podcast. Um, back here again. Today is going to be kind of a rambling episode, so if you're not into that, go ahead and get out of here. If you are into it, stick around, because I got some pretty decent topics. Uh, I do have coffee with me, so if I have to you know, take a sip every now and then while I'm doing the podcast, don't get mad. It's a very chill environment. You know, coffee always sets the mood. So who knows? This is my first episode drinking coffee and might come out with some gold here. Um, With that being said, uh, I want to start out with a funny little thing that once happened to me uh, back in university. I, um, I was a student and, you know, at the university, it was a big university, so they would try to get you know, some entertainment every now and then for the students, uh, whether it be like a stand-up comedian or a band or, you know, anything fun, anything exciting. And, uh, oh my gosh, it's a little late, guys. Um, they got a, a magician one time and, you know, it was some guy I'd never heard of. Apparently he was decently famous, not super famous, but pretty good. And, um, yeah, so he was putting on a show and, you know, I, w- I was homeless at the university, so I always had nothing to do, uh, nothing going on. You know, it's like, I didn't have an apartment to go back to. I was always on campus. So if anything like this happened, I was guaranteed going to it. Cause there's usually, they would usually give you like free pizza or free, you know, chick-fil-a or whatever the bucket is they would usually give you free food so it's like well yeah i'm going dude free food yeah um because my food options were not great so if i had a chance to get something like chick-fil-a you better believe i was going um so anyway there was a magician and he was you know going to perform for everybody so it was in the student center ballroom is what they call it and it's a place that seats about uh maybe, I don't know, 500, between 500 and 700 people is probably how many people it seats. So not huge, but it's not bad. It's pretty good. Um, so yeah, they had the magician and the show starts and, you know, he's doing this little act. He's real mysterious. You know how they always are. And uh, he does a few different tricks. Some of them, it's like, dang, dang, that's, that's pretty dang good stuff. Like he was doing some really impressive stuff. And... You know, you always see magicians, but you usually only see them on TV. So it's hard to see, like, you know, the wrong angles that are going to maybe expose some tricks or something. Uh, Hold up. But anyway, um, when you're there, you know, you might be sitting in an angle that's a bit, you know, generic and maybe exposes something. I don't know. But uh, there was a trick that he did that was going to require a um, uh, someone from the crowd, okay? And he was asking for, I think it was like $20 maybe? He needed like a $20 bill. And uh, I was like, oh, shoot. And like, you know, I just expected somebody to immediately be like, oh, I got it, I got it, I want to do it. And like, you know, just jump right on up. But uh, nobody was really doing anything. Like people were like, "Oh, I got a five. Is that gonna work?" He's like, "No, no, I need a twenty. I need a 20. I don't know why he was so deadbeat on getting this twenty. Um, so I, I looked at my wallet. And I was like, "Well, might as well look. Nobody else is doing it." And I looked in there, and sure enough, I had a twenty. I was like, "Oh shoot! Uh, should I should I do this?" I was like, "Bucket." 
And, you know, at the time, if I had lost the 20, that would have been detrimental to me. Um, but, yeah, so I was like, I got a 20. And he's like, well, come on up. I was like, oh, shoot, this is happening. And I'm sure a lot of the people there knew I was the uh, the homeless dude on campus. They were like, oh, God, this guy again? Uh, but I go up there, and the trick pretty much is one of those classics where it's like, oh, I'm going to write this on the dollar. I'm going to write your name on there. Or, oh, I'm going to write some crazy thing on there. And then, you know, put it in over here. And then later in the trick, pull it out. And, oh, it's your dollar or whatever. You know, that type of crap. So he got me to do this stuff. I'm not going to lie. The trick was impressive, okay? The trick was impressive because I think the ending thing, like I had to do a bunch of different things. Well, one was like uh, maybe there was three box of Cracker Jacks, you know? There's little popcorn snack boxes. And uh, I had to choose one of them. And then, like, uh, yeah, so that was, like, one part of the trick, which was pretty crazy because all I did was choose one of the boxes. And then he dumped the box into a bowl. And then in the box, you know, there's the little prize or whatever. So he's like, oh, you know, in every uh, Cracker Jacks box, there's a prize in there, you know. And I was like, oh, oh okay. And uh, sure enough... I, I look at the prize. Now, this is where it, it got real sketchy because I was like, oh, dang, well, I guess my dollar is going to, or my $20 bill is going to be in that prize, huh? So I see the package and he's like, now get that, uh, get your prize and open it up. And when I got, I picked the, uh, the package up, it was just like a little small little package that would hold like a baseball card or something. I noticed that there was a slit in the bottom of it, okay? No joke. There was a little slit mark in the bottom of that thing where he had clearly cut it open, put the thing in, and then, you know, glued it back together or something. That's what it looked like. So I can see, oh, this piece of crap. Like, the crowd thinks, oh, this is a sealed uh, toy in a sealed Cracker Jack's box. This is amazing. How, how did the money end up in there? That's impossible. And I saw, and I know the crowd couldn't, but I saw the slit, and it was like, oh, that's a little awkward. However, it was still a very impressive trick. It was very impressive. I don't know what would have happened if I had picked one of the other boxes. I really don't. I don't know how that crap works. You know, I'm not smart enough to understand some of these magic tricks. But yeah, so I, I got to participate. Sure enough, the dollar thing was there, whatever. It had my name on it or whatever. And he said uh, after the show, he's like, uh, you know, if you want to uh, change that with a, a brand new 20, uh, just come find me after the show. And that's what I did. So after the show, I came up to him. I was like, hey, man, can I get my uh, uh, a good $20 bill back that doesn't have writing on it? And that's what he gave me. So... He refunded the money, and I, I was involved with the trick. It was a cool experience. I have to say, it was very fun. Uh, I've, I've actually kind of, I think, for... I know another one. One time I was at a baseball game, I got picked to go play a game on the field. And I actually won the game. It was musical chairs. I was a little kid. I did it. And I won. I won some pretty sweet gifts, man. I think, like, some tickets to a little theme park place. Um, hold up. And, uh, God, other than that, maybe I haven't won too much after that. Uh, okay, so a couple more things for you guys. Um, these are two weird things that happened to me. Um, 
one pretty recently, one about six months ago. Uh, it's just a crazy coincidence type deal. So I was in a wood shop and I was, you know, they give you like a little block and it's like, I was at some little camp thing with my school and it was like a little wood shop class. And they were like, Oh, you know, we give you a little block. You can pretty much make whatever you want. You make a star, uh, maybe, uh, a letter, I don't know, just whatever you can make out of a small block of wood is pretty much your options. And, uh, you know, I knew I wasn't going to be very good at it. So I was like, oh, what, what can I make that could probably be pretty cool and be easy? And I was like, oh, maybe a shoe. I think a shoe would be cool. You know, totally random thing to make. You know, not a lot of people in there are making shoes. So I was like, you know, I'll do a shoe and I'll try to go hand with it. And it actually turned out pretty sweet, I have to say. But anyway, so after I get done with the class, you know, I could have made anything. Just keep that in keep that in your head, okay? I could have literally made anything. Could have made a dog, could have made a cat, could have made a TV, could have made anything. I went with the shoe, okay? As soon as we get out of that class, uh, we go back to our little cabin or whatever, our little sleeping headquarters or whatever. And uh I see a little plastic white thing on the ground. And uh, I was like, okay, uh, what's this? And I grabbed for it and I turn it over and sure enough, it's a little keychain, and one side's white and the other side, it was a shoe. It was a shoe keychain. It's like, man, that is weird. I mean, tell me that's not weird, okay? The keychain could have literally been anything and what I created in the wood shop could have been anything and it just happened to be a shoe and a shoe. Pretty crazy stuff. I don't even want to know the odds of something like that happening. But anyway, that was pretty cool. Also, another little thing that happened. It's not a coincidence thing. It's just a very weird, incredible thing. It's like one of those things. I don't know if you've ever seen that Dude Perfect uh, video where it's them doing like regular everyday trick shots. So instead of doing basketballs or anything like that, they do like uh, household items. So maybe you throw your keys and they land on the little key hook next to the door, or you throw a CD disc and it lands right into the Xbox little slot and goes into the Xbox. Like little things like that, where it's like, whoa, that's so cool. These are little household things. It's, It's one in a million chance, you know, just very difficult things to do. I was at a uh, I was at a Walmart and I I had like a bag of gummy worms. You know, when I was younger, I would always get gummy worms. And they have a self checkout at the Walmart. And the self checkout, the way it works, I mean, we've all seen them. It's just got the little scanner, and the next, you know, a little bit past the scanner is uh, the bags. So you would scan the item, put it in the bag, scan the item, put it in the bag, and then pay for the item. So my brother, there was one open and all the other ones had somebody at it. And uh, it was me and my brother and we were like, oh, and like jokingly, we started like sprinting to it to, uh, you know, be the first one to scan up our bull crap. So it looked like, oh man, he's going to beat me. So I, I threw my gummies. I threw my gummy worms and I kid you not, this really happened. They landed, they, they, they slid across the scanning table deal, okay? And as they were sliding across, the barcode was scanned when they when they slid across. So I threw it, it scanned the barcode, and then boom, it landed right into the plastic bag. 
So it was like throw, beep, scan, goes right into the bag, ready to go. Pretty incredible. It's one of the greatest things I've ever accidentally done in my life. One of the most incredible things. And one more crazy little story. All right. And then we'll move on to another topic. I was uh, I was at a church basketball gym, and it's in my neighborhood. And they have like an open gym every morning. You can just go there, shoot around for free. It's pretty sweet. And you're usually the only one in there when you're in there. So, uh, so I was shooting around or whatever, and uh, I was like, oh, you know, when you're in a gym by yourself, a lot of times you'll do like the crazy trick shots just because you get a little bored. And I was doing some like full court shots and, you know, trying to hit a full court shot. So I did one and, you know, I was doing it for a while. Everything was, you know, whatever you miss, you miss, whatever, keep trying. Well, I threw one uh, before I left and it missed, but it bounced. So like it missed, it landed, it bounced. And I guess I had too much arch on the ball. Or is, is it arch or arc? I think it's arch. I had too much arch on the ball, and I guess when it landed, it was going to have a big bounce up because it was coming from such a high angle. And when it bounced up, it hit these, uh, you know, the, what do they call those? Um, you know, the long light bulbs, uh, fluorescent light bulbs, you know, the long ones that are in like standard warehouses and crap. Apparently, some of those were exposed, and they didn't have, like, a covering over it. So, it bounced up and hit, like, I would say at least, like, six of those things. And as soon as it hit them, they came unconnected and then just all fell to the ground on the basketball court and just shattered everywhere. There was glass everywhere. The ball was there. The glass was everywhere. It was a total nightmare. And nobody was there, so I was just like, you know, I was young. I wouldn't do that this these days. But nobody was there, so I was like, F it. And I just got my crap and got out of there, okay? Now, I was driving at this time, and I did have a car. So I had uh, I had gotten in the car and just quickly got out of there. I was just driving away as fast as possible. Totally fleeing the scene, you know. And on the way home, you know, it's like, yeah, I'd clearly done something bad. And, you know, that was not the right thing to do. I should have told somebody. I should have cleaned it up. So I fled the scene, and on the way home, I was going around some turn really fast, and then sure enough, what happens? A, a group of cats run out in front of my car, and I hit like two of them and kill them. I, there was no way I could avoid the cats. They, just, they came out of nowhere. And I was like, oh my gosh. Can you get worse luck within like a 10-minute period? Good gosh. So that was pretty wild. Um, I think those might have been the only animals I've ever killed with a car, I have to say. But anyway, uh, okay, so I want to talk about this a little bit. There's, uh, there's these documentaries, two of them really. I'd say I'm only going to talk about one today. I'll talk about another one later. But there's this documentary on Netflix, and I don't typically get Netflix because I live in China, and China doesn't really do the Netflix thing. Um, but there's this documentary on Netflix that I was able to watch when I was in Thailand 
Um, and it's called Wild Wild Country. I don't know if y'all have ever seen this, but uh, if you haven't, go watch it. Oh my gosh. It's actually a docu-series. So it's like a series. It's got six episodes. Each episode's around an hour long. And yeah, it's just, it's a documentary though. And pretty much what it is, is it's a, uh, it's a story about, um, it's from a story from like 1981, I believe is when it started. It went from like 81 to 85. And it was a, uh, a guy from India who was like seen to be like a total guru. Um, you know, he had like his own little following, almost like a religion. And it was kind of a religion, uh, but not really like the people would call themselves the Rajneesh, Rajneesh, Rajneesh Pura is what like their whole little religion and group or whatever it was called. So they were in India and he was making, this guy was super wealthy, like very, very rich. I'd say millions and millions and millions of dollars this guy had or whoever was involved with them. They had this money. And India did not, I want to say what happened was India was not cool with what he was doing. I think he had like some legal stuff going on that was a bit sketchy. And uh, so they, they were pretty much like forcing him to stop his little deal that he was doing, like his little religion religion or whatever. So because of that, uh, now, now in India, he was already getting a nice little following. Like people were coming from America. People were coming from Europe. Uh, places in Europe, like he had some pretty intense followers that were very devoted and loyal. So he realized that, okay, we're going to have to move this thing. And he had like a spokesperson. Like he was one of those people that was such a guru and such like a, you know, like a wannabe God figure type deal where it's like, he rarely speaks. He's just like very calm, always has his hands in like prayer position. And he just like looks around and smiles at everybody, but doesn't really say much. It's almost like he's too good to speak type deal. And uh, yeah, so he got kicked out of India and they had to come back. Uh, they had to find a new place. So what he did was he ended up starting a new place in America of all places. Uh, it was in Oregon, a small, small town in Oregon. Um, hold up. Yeah, small town in Oregon. Literally, the town had probably, I don't know, maybe 40 people in the town. Totally small, middle of nowhere, okay? And there was a lot of land there, like a enormous piece of land there for sale. And it wasn't that expensive. I think they bought it for like, I don't know, $4 million. Enormous piece of land. When I say enormous, I'm talking like, I don't know. I want to say it was like 60,000 acres. 60,000 acres. If you've ever seen 100 acres of land, that is big. Now, imagine 60,000 and it's like, holy crap, that's big. Um, So, yeah, it was enormous. And he bought the land. And pretty much what happened was the, the, the whole religion and all the followers and everybody... They made their way to America. They're like, where you go, we're going. All right. If you want to start some in Oregon, if you got the land, we're going to go there. And we're going to we're going to build our own little uh, commune. We're going to build our own little city with all of our necessary uh, stuff that we're going to need. And we're just going to do our little religion in peace there. That's where we're going to do it. Um, so sure enough, they, they make their way over here. Now, they ran into a problem. 
Because the people in that area were, you know, very, you know, small town, farmer folk people that really took pride in America. They didn't want no outsiders coming in and, you know, ruining, taking their freedom, taking their this. Uh, you know, a lot of people viewed these people as a cult, and they kind of were a cult, honestly. So they were like, oh, what are these people? And they looked very strange, too. They all wore red. Everybody in the thing at all times wore red. Red on red, red everything. And they would just walk around that. And when these people uh, came to America, they didn't come in cars. They didn't show up on a freaking bus. They were walking. Like, I think they, I don't know, maybe they walked from the airport? I don't know. Maybe they took a bus to a small town and then walked from the small town to their place. But they walked. So there was literally hundreds, maybe thousands of these people in red just walking through this small town to get to their little piece of land. So naturally, the locals were like, what the freak is this, man? Uh, I don't know if I like the looks of this. Was this some satanic cult? And uh, yeah, so instantly there was a little beef going on there because the locals were not having it. And then the cult people, because the locals weren't having it, they were a bit pissed off at the locals because they were like, oh, screw y'all. Y'all don't even know what we're doing. So it was immediate beef. Well, sure enough, this cult, they, they actually had some very skilled people in the um, their little religion. Like, you know, they would have like a doctor who could take care of their medical needs. They would have a scientist that could take care of, you know, any kind of breakouts or anything weird that happened within the community uh they would have you know engineers that could design buildings uh you know just the the whole ordeal they had it all plumbers you know whatever they needed people were there and they knew how to do it uh they even had their own pilot who could help them out but uh yeah so they start well once they arrive at the little city they just start building they start building and that gummit, it was impressive. I gotta say, I, I was in disbelief when I was watching it. They start building this city and they literally have everything. Like, I've never seen something so incredible in my life. And it honestly made me realize that you don't really need the government, honestly. You always look at roads and then buildings and all this stuff and you think, oh, you know, oh, man, the government does some pretty incredible stuff. There's no way a private person could do that. And then it's like, you see these people and they literally built a city in probably like a year or two. And it was legit. Like it was way better than the small town near their town. Way better. They had a library. They had a hospital. They had a freaking, you know, a school. They had their own school there. They had, you know, anything you could think of that a city would typically have. They had, they had firefighters. They had police officers. And these were all run by this little religion cult thing there was no government involved whatsoever and it's like you know they just they figured out to how to make a city and how who they needed to be in the city and they made it work okay now this anyway uh this is where things get weird because uh yeah they uh they they had i don't even know what it was there was somebody there the entire time and, and in this documentary there's footage of everything Okay, so there was somebody there on campus or whatever in the city the entire time filming a lot of crap that was going on. Okay, a lot of crap, including some of their secret stuff that I guess maybe they didn't care to get out or, you know, they didn't want getting out to the public. I don't know. Maybe they thought it was fine. They didn't have a problem with it. 
But uh, but what ended up happening is they released a movie, and this was just weird. And the movie went to I think Portland. Yeah, Portland's in Oregon. And the movie kind of showed what they had going on there. And then for some reason, in one scene of the movie, I don't even know. I'm still confused on this part. But it showed them in like one of their ritual things that they were doing. And it was just a bunch of naked people going ham. I'm talking ham. They weren't having sex, but they were going ham. Like just like grabbing each other, and like, like screaming, like honestly, psychotic freaks is what it looked like. That looked totally cult like. So once people saw that, they were like, okay, now hold up. We need to freaking look into this crap. These people are freaks and maybe they need to be stopped. Okay. Now there was this girl. Um, her name was Sheila. I think, yeah, I think her name was Sheila. Yeah. Her name was Sheila. She was an Indian girl and she was kind of put in charge. She was kind of like the president of the entire thing. Like you had the guru guy that was like the God that they worshiped. And then they had uh, Sheila, who was like the one that ran everything. She was the one over, you know, all the politics of everything and all the big decisions. She was in charge of it. So what happened was they wanted to become like a legitimate city and a legitimate place that was like recognized by the government. So they could have like their own government officials. They could get government funding. They could get all this stuff. So they think, okay, well, let's uh, let's go talk to this small town near us that technically we're in, and let's talk to them and see if they want uh, if they're okay with us, kind of like you know, recreating the city into they wanted to call it uh, Rajneeshpura. Rajneeshpura was going to be the new name of the city, and they're like, hey, let's see if they're going to get on board. And of course, the locals were like, f no, we're not doing that. That's freaking bullcrap. You're a cult. You're freaks. So they're like, all right, well then what we'll do is we'll just run somebody in politics in the city and we'll have enough people to vote in like pretty much the new mayor. So we'll pretty much be the mayor of the city. And once we're the mayor of the city, we'll have a lot more control and then we'll be able to have our own city. Like we'll just rename everything and then we'll just kind of take over and we'll buy all the houses because we have tons of money and all these people will just kind of make their way out and we'll just take over. So that was their plan. And it actually worked. They got somebody. And because they had more people than that city had, way more people, then they were easily able to uh, elect any government officials for that city that they wanted. Easily. No problems. And the people knew it. And then the locals were like, well, this is bullcrap. And they were the locals started selling off their houses because a lot of these houses were for sale. And nobody was going to buy them because it was in the middle of nowhere. So these little, um, the Roshnisha group, they were like, yeah, okay, yeah, we're going to buy these houses from y'all. And they're like, we ain't going to sell to y'all. Y'all ain't going to buy nothing from us. And sure enough, they showed them the right amount of money and they sold the houses. So they sold the houses. And once they finished that, they were thinking, huh, we can make this thing bigger. Like we took over the city and now it's called Roshnishpura. We can now take over the county and have the entire county be our county and we're just going to run everything so sure enough that was the next step but they knew they couldn't do it with the numbers that they had they knew it was gonna be impossible so they started this thing and it was insane dude they started this thing where they just started going to like portland and just 
going there with a big bus and just picking up homeless people and saying, hey, come to Roshnishpura, we'll take care of you. Come on, hop on the bus. And sure enough, the homeless people were doing it because they had nothing else to do. So they take over. They, they, they go there, and now they've gotten their numbers up to like, you know, thousands and thousands of people, probably like 10,000 people. A lot of them were homeless, okay? Uh, the homeless people kind of, you know, cleaned up pretty well, got their act together, uh, still probably did drugs, but, you know, they were decent. So then now they had a plan where they were like, okay, we've got the numbers, we can take over, we can overthrow the entire county, and we can become the county. And this is Ham, and we're going to do it. And sure enough, they were going to do it, and they were going to win, and everybody knew that they were going to win. And they were like, oh boy, this is happening. They're going to take over. This is not good. So somehow, and I don't know how, but whoever the governor or mayor or whatever of the county was, they were able to claim that there was voter fraud going on or suspicion of voter fraud going on with what the Roshanish group was doing. So they were able to uh, to just pretty much say, you aren't going to be allowed to vote because we feel like we're suspecting some voter fraud going on. So we're going to make it to where you cannot vote. And somehow they legally pulled that off. And once this happened... It was on. I mean, it was like it was borderline war that started. Okay, so the Roshnish people, because there was okay, there was when this happened. Shortly after that happened, it was like oh, a big backfire, and people were like oh, f this, man, this is getting pretty heated. So then the Roshnish people were acting pretty violent, like hey, this is bullcrap. You can't just take our vote away. We're Americans. We can vote. We live here. Blah blah blah. So then somebody bombed. They had a hotel in Portland or something. The Roshnish group did. Somebody bombed their hotel. And once somebody bombed their hotel, they were like, all right, that's it. So they just bought crap tons of guns. Just tons of guns. Like really dangerous, legitimate, military-style guns. And uh, they were like, all right, well, we don't feel safe anymore, so we're going to freaking borderline build a military. And that's pretty much what they did. They had like a lot of people on their, you know, in their city that just had these intense guns, and they were ready for anybody. So at this point is when they became just a little scary, man. Because they had this little god guy that they were pretty much worshipping. They had this freaking dictator girl that was from India that was pretty much calling all the shots. And then now they had like a military going on and like threatening to shoot people if they came on their uh, came to their city or whatever. It was inc- crazy stuff. So then, um, well, oh, this is where it just gets disgusting. It's such a long story. I know it's not good for a podcast, but whatever. And if you want to watch it, just stop listening to this podcast. Because it really is incredible, but whatever. Um, this uh, this woman, the, the woman that was a leader, she realized, okay, well, if they're not going to allow us to vote, then we're going to take away their votes too. And we're going to find a way to do that. So what they did was, they uh, they poisoned the city, okay? They literally poisoned the entire like the, or the county, like big major hot spots in the county. So they they put uh, they went to a salad bar in a restaurant and just put all this uh, what's the stuff uh, salmonella. They put salmonella. They had like I swear they had done this in their sci- uh, um, scientific lab or whatever on the, in their city that they created. 
So they put salmonella all over the food, all over the food in the entire restaurant. And everybody that was eating at that restaurant was getting salmonella. And it was like an epidemic, like hundreds of people came down with salmonella. And a lot of them almost died. I don't know if anybody died, but a lot of them came very close to death. And uh, nobody knew what it was. They were like, how did so many people get this? What's going on? What the fuck happened? And then sure enough, they found out later on that it was the Roshnish group that did it. It was the, apparently the largest uh, poisoning in American history. Uh, I don't know if it still is or if some has surpassed it by this point. But at that time, it was the largest poisoning that had ever happened. So then things just get crazy. They get crazier and crazier and crazier. And people are afraid that they're going to take over the county. They're going to take over the state. Uh, they're going to do all this crap. Well, sure enough, they were never able to vote in uh, past just getting the city. They were never able to pull it off. But crap ended up going down where it was just like, you know, some crap going on between the uh, the higher-ups in the thing, like the god guy and the, the dictator girl. And then crap just started going south real quick. And then the government was like, okay, we found out that they poisoned us. We're arresting the buck out of these people. And... Uh, yeah, things just went south quick. The God guy had to end up getting out of uh, America. And on his way out, they they pretty much called him midair. And they were like, look, uh, when as soon as he lands, we're arresting him. And they did. And then uh, the girl ended up getting arrested for like, I don't know, five years for the poisoning stunt that she did. And uh, there was another girl that attempted to kill a person there because she was told to by that uh, Indian girl. And uh, she ended up getting, I don't know, like 10 years or something. Um, and she almost murdered the guy. Uh, very close to killing him, but he didn't die. Just a wild thing. Just a wild, like wild, wild country doesn't even begin to describe or sum up how crazy this uh, docuseries is. So well done. Such an intense story. I cannot believe I'd never heard of it before. And, I mean, it's a part of American history that is just effing crazy, man. Uh, you gotta watch it. If you haven't seen it, it's a must-see. Just a must-see. So, go check it out if you haven't. That's gonna be all for today's podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I will see you next time. Bye-bye.